Hashtag BYU. Coach Lamb, Coach Hadley, Coach Guilford. Um, that in, in uh, you know, in connection with the uh, graduate assistants and the analysts that we have on our team, on our coaching staff on the defense side, did an amazing job. So really thankful that we were able to have a great game plan. I felt like we were disruptive as a team. Uh, obviously, we felt like we had a lot of plays out there that we could have made, but you have to give credit for UCF and and uh, for Gabriel being able to uh, you know run. <laughs> He's athletic and being able to find ways to create more uh, time for himself on, in, in the passing game. Kalani Sataki happy with the defense. They played well. The offense played well, and it added up to a blowout. You knew where this game was going before halftime. They were up 35-10 at the break. They win 49-23. An exclamation point, PK, with Zach Wilson throwing for 425 yards. It wasn't a game. It was a party. That was a blowout. Yesterday was the best day of my life. The Cougars win. The Lakers lose. What more could you ask for as a human being, Dave? Way to tweak you fans. Nice. Well played. (laughs) Zach Wilson throwing for three scores, running for two more. Tyler Algier, 173 yards on the ground. A route, a whooping, an exclamation point. And now an awesome year. How long do you get to savor it before you ask the question, can you do it again? Because football fans always want more. Yeah, for sure. I was talking with people, uh, not talking, uh, texting with people in the staff last night, and they were extremely excited about next season. And so, yeah, they think that they're going to have a lot of kids coming back, and they think that they've got something going here. And so uh, to the extent of, uh, what would they go, 11-1 this season? I don't know that they could do that, but... This, this team was just, uh, this game really just capped off a phenomenal season. This is the best game that I think I've seen BYU play since 06 Vegas Bowl. That's how good they were when that Vegas Bowl team just worked uh, Oregon. I think it was 38-8. I don't know that I've seen anything better. I don't think I have. I think it was the best performance that I've seen, the most dominant performance I've seen what is that? Uh, do the math. Is that uh, 14 years, years ago? 14 years ago? If it was yeah, 06. It 11. Yeah, 06, right. I, I transposed the 6 and the 9. Yeah. I mean, it was just so dominant in so many ways. And they did it this week without most of the offensive coaching staff. They've all got the COVID thing going on, so they couldn't be out there. And I thought Aaron Roderick, what a game plan. He called the, it, it, all sorts of stuff offensively. Seemed like every time it was third down, they did that little underneath crossing drag pattern to Mill, and then he'd catch it, and then he had the blockers uh, setting up a little wall on the right side, and he'd get the first down. Absolutely brilliant. I, I can't say enough about how well they played. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Um, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, just happy for him. Um, it's something that, I mean, over the, the course of, I think well, I've been here seven years now. He's been a year more than me, so eight years, and seeing him kind of grow from um, gangly tall. Um, I, I think he played G League his kind of first year and a half, kind of thing, whatever it was, and. 
um, obviously to be a, a huge part of what we do now and um, yeah, just, just really, really happy for him. Um, he's worked hard. Uh, I think everybody everybody knows that. Um, his kind of passion and desire to win is something that obviously is, is extremely great to, to have someone like that on your team. So, um, I mean, I'm not signed for five years, but I'm glad to play with him for a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just, just really happy for him um, and, and what he's done over the last however many years. That's Joe Ingles talking about Rudy Gobert's new deal, the Jazz. It's odd how it works, PK. You always talk about sports renewing itself. One season ends, another starts. BYU wraps up, and the Jazz tip it off tonight. They play the Blazers in Portland, 8 o'clock game. You'll hear the pregame right here on 97.5. Utah State will be playing on 12.80, the zone. They're going to have everybody tonight. Derek Favors is on the injury list with right knee soreness, but he's listed as probable. And we don't know how many minutes he's going to play anyway. It's going to be interesting to see in this rotation. He, you know he's got to play 12 to 15 minutes backing up Rudy. How many more does he get beyond that? 20? 25? I don't think he's playing 30. Derek Favors playing 30? No, Not I happening. don't think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm excited for the season to start. The games count. This is awesome. We're off tomorrow so I don't have to worry about commercials and having the game end so I can go to bed. I can stay up and watch it because I don't have to get up before the crack of dawn at this point in the year when it's still dark. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what they have. Uh, the other thing Joe Ingles mentioned is there is that uh, he got a scare this week. He had a positive COVID test, ended up being a false positive. So he's back, he's ready to go, and he'll play tonight in Portland. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. These are obviously highly unusual times and a very different ring ceremony without fans. And to the Laker fans and to the 20,000 people or so usually here, Jeannie, we're going to make it up to you. We'll do this again when the fans are back in the building. And to the Lakers organization, Jeannie Buss, Rob Palinka, Frank Vogel, and their staffs, thank you. Congratulations. It's been, I know it's been a really difficult year for everyone here. And to the team, almost 100 consecutive days in the bubble. That in itself deserves a trophy. Also, for lots of reasons we won't mention tonight, just also a very tough year for this organization, even beyond the pandemic. Congratulations to all of you. You're our champion. And let me just end by saying such great appreciation we have, not just for the Lakers and the Heat for making the finals, but all 30 teams in this league and their staffs and the literally thousands of people that it takes to put on NBA basketball. Those people, including those in the arena, the Staples Center here tonight, we may not have fans, but I want to thank healthcare professionals and the essential workers for allowing us the opportunity to continue working this season. So once again, congratulations to the Lakers and the Lakers fans everywhere. Look forward to the ring ceremony tonight, Jeannie. That's the commissioner, Adam Silver, as the Lakers tip off the season. <laughs> and I want to thank LeBron and LeBron and LeBron and LeBron and LeBron. Thanks yeah. everybody else. There's a guy who delivered the title. You getting any, anywhere near that title without LeBron? I haven't been in the bubble, so I can't uh, speak to it. But uh, well, let's just say I'm thankful for the military and leave it at that. 
Lakers get their championship rings, then they start slow, and they don't recover, and the Clippers win 116-109. Isn't that how the last season started? Clippers won the regular season showdown, and the Lakers took the title. And here we are, it's Groundhog Day. Clippers win the regular season opener. I don't remember last year, so I can't answer that. Uh, But uh, Clippers got some talent. And Paul George played very well. You know, I don't know that he's great at anything, but he's good, very good, above average on a lot of things. Now he has to do it in the postseason. Uh, But uh, Clippers have some talent, and they're going to be a tough team to deal with in the regular season. 33 points and six boards for Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard had 26 points, six boards, and six assists. That was one of two games. The other game, the Brooklyn Nets had an easy time with the Warriors, got a big early lead, and just kept rolling, 125-99. Steph Curry, a double-double with 20 points and 10 assists, but uh, not much else for the Warriors. They weren't competitive in this one, PK. Yeah, I didn't really watch it much. I saw the scores, was following the score, flicked over during commercials. I like this Wiseman kid. I think he's going to be a player, and he's going to be something to watch over the years. Now he's just a young pup, so uh, we'll have to see how he develops. But I thought for his first game, for literally having zero preseason games, he looked good. And the Lakers are the Lakers. The Warriors need to get Draymond Green back and, and uh, you know, he can make an addition to that team and be a little bit better. But the the Nets, they were fired up to play, obviously, because it was a big, long way to debut, debut for Kevin Durant, who certainly looked good, too, himself. Coming off the Achilles, I thought, and uh, like you, I didn't see much of the game because it went head-to-head with the BYU game. But uh, the little bit I saw and then the highlights I saw, he was moving really well off that Achilles. So, yeah, he looked like Kevin Durant. You know, which is what you want. You wanted you wanted to pass the eye test. So he had 22 points in that one. But the test there is going to be, you know, how do they get along in the long run and, and how does Kyrie Irving handle the long run? And nobody doubts the talent, but, you know, they can be able to coexist and behave like a championship team. And, and by they, I don't think most of us are worried about Durant. It's more how does Kyrie Irving interact with everybody, whether it's Durant or a, an assistant coach or the head coach or teammates. I believe they have enough talent to come out of the East. Put them in the mix with uh, Miami. Has Toronto's time passed, or you still got them in the mix? Uh, probably loosely in the yeah. mix. Uh, Boston, I think, has enough talent. Uh, Milwaukee in that anybody. mix? Certainly you have to put Milwaukee in there for sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they've got some new parts too, so it may take a little bit because I'm not one of these guys who thinks just because you have all this talent together that has no experience playing together that they should hit the ground running. You know, you go back to uh, Miami with those guys when LeBron went down there. Didn't they start off like 6-8 and eight or something along those lines? Yeah, had a bad start and, and didn't yeah. win it the first year, obviously. Although they got better as the season went along and they got to the final and didn't win it. Right, so I believe that it, that it takes a little time to figure out where guys need to be and all that stuff. And so I'm not sure that uh, Milwaukee may get off to the best start, but they certainly have enough talent to, in the long run, get it together. Daryl Morey, speaking of the Sixers and the team that would like to be in that mix in the uh, East, but we'll see if they're about ready to turn their roster upside down with a couple major trades. That wouldn't shock anybody. Daryl Morey said that uh, in the last 12 months, he had moments where he thought he might never work in the NBA again for reasons I was willing to go down for. But I love working, I love what I do, and I didn't want that to happen. And now, of course, it's up to him to get the Sixers to the top of the mountain in the East and get them to the final. 
All right, other games tonight. If you're uh, flicking around, you want to watch some stuff. The Pelicans, New Orleans is going to Toronto. Zion will be playing in the regular season opener. His first season in the league, obviously, all over the map. We'll see if he gets a, uh, a smoother ride here this year. The Nuggets open up with against the Kings. And I guess we've got to keep our eye on the Nuggets all year long, PK, after what they've done the last two years. Well, yeah, I've been saying that for two years. And Dallas is traveling to Phoenix. So Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, gear up, 8.30 tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State, fresh off a 45-point win over San Jose State at home Monday night. We'll play San Jose State at home in Logan again tonight. You can listen to that game on 1280 The Zone while the Jazz are over on 97.5 The Zone. I know that there's a, a thing that happens, you know, you, you, you have a game and if it's pretty close, then you wonder, well, next game, do you make adjustments? Does the other team win? Weber State split two games on the road, won the first one, but lost the second one up in Portland. But 45 points wasn't that close. I don't know what adjustments San Jose State can make in this one, PK. There's ought to be another W for the Aggies. Uh, yeah, I know nothing about San Jose State, so if you know anything, you know one thing more than me. Uh, Utah, of course, had the Arizona State game canceled. The Utes' next game, they're going to play UCLA on New Year's Eve. So that's what's up next for the Utes. For the Cougars, they're going to play Weber State 5 o'clock tonight in Provo. And BYU starting to get a few votes in the AP poll after they beat San Diego State last week. And they got Weber State tonight, 5 o'clock, with the, uh, the Jazz game and the Aggie game coming up later. It'll give you a little time to focus on BYU. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, we're going to talk football. Brian Keel is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Riley Jensen is going to join us at 8.30. Got a couple more college football nuggets to share with you. The Utes and the Transfer Portal. We'll get to that coming up. And we've got BYU. What more can you say about the Cougar football team? Put a wrap on the season this morning. Got a lot of people weighing in on Facebook. You can hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic, and you can send us your takes, 15 seconds of audio or less. Send us your takes. We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Introduce myself, my name is The Jazz, the Utes, the Cougars. When it comes to the teams that you're passionate about, these guys have got you covered. Hi. This, this is DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the question of the morning. What more can you say about the BYU football team? The season is over. They're 11-1. What else can you add to this? And PK, we got a lot of comments, and people went right at the schedule. Are you shocked? No, you aren't. Not even a little bit. <laughs> okay. Two words, Alex says. Coastal Carolina. Yeah, Coastal Carolina beat them. No question about it. They beat them. Wade says, what? Period. Could, period. Have, period. 
Ben period. Too bad they didn't show up against CCU. Go get them in the NFL, ZW. Another graphic during the game last night. Zach Wilson, depending on who you believe, the third or fourth-ranked quarterback in the draft, which sounds like a top-ten pick to me, but I guess we'd have to see the draft order to know that for sure, but probably. Well, I can tell you the BYU coach is expecting him to go, and they're looking next season to see if Jaron Hall can get himself healthy. That was the point of uh, him not playing this year, is to get himself healthy. They really like his talent. And uh, Conover coming up on the outside. I think that uh, as of right now, those would be your two top contenders for the job. They got any expectations for the transfer portal coming or going? Because it seems like that's the bonus recruiting season we all have to, to watch for. You know, we know with the Utes, all the quarterbacks came in. And now, of course, it's time for quarterbacks to leave. And we got the first report of that. Jake Bentley into the transfer portal. He's going to go somewhere and try to find a, pl- a place to play next year since everyone gets a, a free transfer and a bonus year. Yeah, he left about uh, 1.30 on Saturday, I think. Uh, so are you talking about quarterbacks for BYU? Oh, transfer? yeah, or any other impact, you know, anybody else they can well, bring in that would make an impact. I don't know who's going to be coming into their program right now, but I don't think a quarterback is going to be coming in if that's what you're asking. I wouldn't think so. I think they got a lot of guys there. But with the transfer portal at this point, it seems like the wild, wild west. So, but you know, they picked up a running back another year, and uh, you can pick up if you can pick up somebody who can make your team better at any position. You know, obviously, you're going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, we got plenty of time for that. Right now, it's to celebrate a phenomenal season. I mean, they went 11 and one. They played awesome on national television. They opened the season on national television when literally they were the only college football game going on, and they closed it on national television when literally they were the only college football game going on. I mean, 11-1, and one, and they, they do you want to go Coastal Carolina? Great, good on you. They lost by a yard on that, and that's uh, undeniable. But I think under most circumstances, you're going to take that season, especially when uh, all these people who are ripping them, mostly, you know, Ute fans, I assume, maybe some Aggie fans, and you guys didn't even want to get out on the flo- on the field. You came up with every reason in the book why you couldn't play. Uh, basically, shut up. Great year, Shane says. Great team. But we'll always wonder, what if? I think that's a nagging question. But the thing about that question, I was on the post-game show with Austin last night. That's a question you want to have asked. Yes, because it's a nagging question. What would this team have done if it had played the original schedule? Well, the only way you're in position to ask what would this team have done is with an an incredible regular season. Because if they had lost two or three games, nobody would be asking, well, what would they have done with this other schedule? So in order to ask what would they have done with this other schedule, that meant with this schedule, they had to dominate. And they largely did. And, yeah, on a short preparation week, they got on a plane and flew back to Coastal Carolina, and they played horrible to, to their capability, for sure. There's no denying that. That happened. They won the rest of the games in pretty doggone good fashion, and that's why we're asking what if. Because they had to have had this incredible season first, because if they would have lost two, three, four ball games, nobody would be asking what if. And you look at this other schedule that they had, 
with this talent, and we got weeks and months to discuss this. But man, who's to say they wouldn't have gone eleven and one against that schedule? <gasps> I can't believe PK said that. Well, look at the teams that were on the schedule and look what they did. Who scared you? You've got uh, Missouri, who was a five hundred team in the SEC, lost all the top teams that they played. Um, you got Minnesota, uh, another team that was five hundred ish in the Big Ten. You got the three Pac twelve teams, and some of them. You know, you barely saw them play. I think Stanford turned out to be a pretty good team. Uh, that would have been a good test. Obviously, they've had problems with the Utes. They for all a would decade. have been good tests. Yeah, uh, ASU we barely saw play. Yeah, who knows? You can't make an evaluation on I, them. I think the other thing is to look at what look at how much better the 2020 Cougars were than the 2019 Cougars, and look what the 2019 Cougars did. You know, San Diego State. A year ago, they lose by 10. This year, they win by 14. And BYU, obviously much better. Boise State, uh, they won by three at home, and they were up by a couple scores. Boise State scored a couple late scores there, uh, turned 28-10 into 28-25. But BYU just wins going away this year. When they lose to Toledo and to South Florida and to Hawaii, all on the road, they collapse in the fourth quarter of every one of those games, outscored by a combined 34-3. to This year, they're in a close game on the road with the G5 team, and they outscore Houston 22 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Across the board, this team, obviously better than they were a year ago. Yeah, is, is anybody debating that, though? Well, then look at what they did against Power 5 teams last year. They went 2-2 okay, two well, two playing I don't understand about last year. What's that? Well, what would they have We're done talking against about Power, this year's team. What would they have done against Power 5 this year? Look what they did against based Power 5 Based on this year, year, not based on last year. Right, and look how much better they were this year than last of year. Of course. I don't think I, even the most hardcore Ute fan who hates the Cougars is not arguing that this team is better than last year, are okay, they? Okay, so then if they're better than last year, then they're going at least 10-2 and two this year. If that's what you want to argue, I can't argue against it. It's impossible to argue against it. Because we'll never get the opportunity to know. So it's completely and totally hypothetical. I'm not going to put it past them. Um, they could have gone 7-5 oh, and five and lost a bunch of close games. They could have had more injuries. I don't know. That's the whole point. But this this is a very good football team this year. That's what matters. We're talking about this year. This is a very good football team. And whatever you want to put them against that competition, great. But none of that competition from game one to game 12 in the regular season, none of it scares me. They could have won them all. They could have gone 12 and zero. Why stop at 10 and two? Go 12 and zero. We'll never know. But the point is, they had enough talent, and nobody in the opposition was like, man, they would have had no chance. Rick says, I hope they enjoy their season playing high school teams. They, I guarantee you. They did. So if that your wishes has been granted, you hope <laughs> that they enjoy the season, I promise you that they did, did enjoy the season. I guarantee it. So you got what you wanted. Tom says still bitter you couldn't get into BYU, huh, Rick? <laughs> Rick says, never replied, didn't want to go there. All right, you guys, uh, do that somewhere else. Hide those replies. Um, Jeff says they're good. Period. He'll leave it at that. Mick says this BYU team would not have won the Sun Belt this year. Yeah, I guess your your people just don't want to acknowledge that they're really good. It's it's hard to to put that out there for you. But 
I think they're an excellent, excellent team, and they had a lot of talent. And the, and the, the combination of the great coaching, in a sense, it reminds me of that 04 Utah team where the system that they were running uh, was something that was really, really good. And what they had this season, what they were running, just seemed like it was really, really good also. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of quarterbacks, uh, high draft picks around here lately, but obviously Alex Smith went uh, number one going off that season. And Ute fans will say, yeah, and there wasn't a one in that season either. It was a zero. Well, he shouldn't have gone number one in that season either, if you want to add that, because he's not better than Aaron Rodgers. More people reacting here on Twitter. Hats off to a program that is willing to do just about anything to play games during a pandemic. Love Kalani's attitude and leadership through the whole season. It reflected in his team. Hashtag go Cougs. I don't know that I've seen a coaching staff this enthralled with their jobs. And speaking of several coaches off to the side, they really enjoyed playing for, or coaching, I should say, not playing, coaching for Kalani this season. The offensive guys have told me that the only thing Kalani said to them all season is, hey, keep pressing, man. Keep being aggressive. Keep going for it. Keep getting that ball downfield as much as you possibly can. That was the emphasis. And I spoke to you earlier, probably, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Kalani being considered for other jobs, is that they felt like he really rounded into form and now has his bearings as far as what a head coach is supposed to be. And I think it takes a little while. What what you need in a head coach because all of a sudden you make that jump. Majerus used to talk about that uh, uh, two feet to the left. He would say or to the right, whatever. Yeah. Sliding over one order. chair. Yeah, yeah. And he'd say just a massive amount of responsibility difference that there is from even being a lead assistant. In this case, being a coordinator. They don't really have the coordinators in the basketball. It's a football term, obviously. And he, I remember him talking about just the, the tremendous difference that uh, that job entails and how much responsibility you feel. Well, that's for the basketball program, which has you know basically, a, what, a fifth less of the people, a tenth less? I'm not good at math. And so you can imagine being a football head coach in terms of that responsibility of all the things you know you got 120 some players and now you got all these assistants you got these analysts you got all these folks it's like that you're like the head of a little mini corporation in a sense and it only stands to reason that you need to grow into that role that even though you've been a coordinator which he had been obviously for several seasons at oregon state and at utah that there would be a massive adjustment that you need to make. And the coaches were telling me, coaches who'd been around, that's the great thing about the staff, is they got a bunch of guys who've been around for a good long while now. You know, and they, you take a, uh, take a look at a guy like Ed Lamb, who has been in the coaching business, coached way back when for Jim Harbaugh, right? And so this guy, you know, he, he understands what it's about, having, having been a head coach himself at a smaller level at SUU. And all these folks that got tons of experience, and they're telling me that Kalani really came into his own and has a complete handle on what it takes to be a head coach now. And I think you 
put all that stuff in. It's a huge pot, and you can pick out any number of things in that pot and say, okay, this thing is pretty good now, this thing is pretty good, and then you combine it together, and you got a pretty good football team. The trick is to have a football program, and so you want to be able to hit the ground running next season. I don't know that you're going to go 11-1 and next season, uh, but uh, there's no reason why now, if you're, if, if you're legitimate, that you don't have another strong season. And, yeah, maybe you don't have the wipeouts and the blowouts because the schedule had something to do with it. I'm not sure the schedule necessarily had much to do with all the wins. A lot of it, the blowouts and the discrepancy in the margins of victory, I'll give you. But the wins, I can't really argue and say, man, they wouldn't have had a 9-10-11 win season with that other schedule. And maybe it wouldn't have been as easy and the games would have been tighter. Never know. That's the way I see it. Well, I think that uh, to get back to the one thing that Kalani said about, you know, keep pressing, uh, Zach was really good at throwing the ball downfield. I mean, even if they had another quarterback who was uh, really elite – uh, would he be as good at throwing the ball down the field? You know, he might be elite because something else in his skill set is elite. Uh, but to have a quarterback, when you're when you got 33 touchdown passes and only three picks, it does make it a lot easier for a defensive-minded coach to say, "Yeah, keep throwing the ball down the field," because the results are are just awesome. You know, and, yeah. and obviously Zach took a massive step forward. I mean, 11 to one touchdown ratio. Uh, you know, he was more a two to one guy earlier in his career. But in the third year, uh, you know, everything came together. Yes. So it's easier to say that. It'll be interesting if that's what Kalani says in a year or two or three. Even if they have a really good quarterback, uh, he might not be as good throwing the ball 20-plus yards down the field. Well, next year they're, they're not going to be as good at quarterback, I can guarantee you. <laughs> they're not going to have another top-10 pick. <laughs> Line them up. Not, not next season. Right. Because but you invest in a young guy, and yeah, then you know what that, happens in his second or third year. Yeah, if Jaron Hall gets the job, I don't know that he's a young guy, but he's young in terms of actual getting out on the field and playing football. That just does, has not happened that much. But yes, so that to expect, and I got that literally last night. To expect whoever it is to be as good as Zach is not fair. But we do expect that quarterback to be good. That's something that matters. You know, the, you can win in different ways, and they're going to have to be because this quarterback and Dylan Colley, man, he called it. He called it in Boise, Idaho. Gosh, he called it. And I can remember sitting there in that press room, and I brought it up with Dil, Dylan multiple times in, in classic Colley way. Okay, guys, I'm going to tell you what is, and even if you don't believe it, I don't care. And I'm going to say it. It turned out to be prophetic that Zach Wilson this season goes down, and he goes down right there. Uh, I was reading Dick Harmon last night, and he wrote about how he's comparing him to Jim McMahon. Now, I never saw Jim McMahon throw one ball in uh, in college. I've seen tapes of it since, and then I've seen the, the throw to uh, Clay Brown on tape 100 times. But I never saw him once. But Dick, obviously, has been around forever. He saw it, and he's the one who told me. He's raved to me about Jim McMahon because he saw him play. He was there the whole time. I wasn't. And, I, I mean, I know what Jim did in the NFL. But 
I've got Dick Harmon, who's an institution and an encyclopedia, comparing Zach favorably to Jim McMahon. That's really all I need to know from a guy who saw both of them and has a ton of football knowledge relative to BYU, and he's saying that. This kid had one of the best seasons, if not the best. It's arguable. You can go back and forth wherever you want to land on. It's up to you. But that's the talent that Zach Wilson put out there. And expecting BYU's quarterbacks next year to be as good is ridiculous. But it's the Frank Dolce argument that you've been having with him as far as Frank saying you don't necessarily need your quarterback to be all-world to have a really good team. And I think that's what the Cougars are going to be shooting for next season. You know, Jim McMahon's um, numbers, because so few people saw it. You know, the games weren't uh, on TV the same way. Now, there, there's some people like Dick who are living on the Wasatch Front who are old enough that they have that. But when you just go back and look at the numbers, it was like they were video game numbers for McMahon. They were just so, so dominant and so off the charts. But then you look at Zach Wilson. 33 touchdowns and three picks, and then he ran for 10 more touchdowns? I mean, 43, accounting for 43 touchdowns while only turning the ball over three times, that is, uh, that is a video game number. And, and then the NFL people clearly really love him. So, Yes. You, yes. Can't, you can't really debate anything. I mean, first off, it's like you said, Dick Harmon was there and we weren't. Uh, but you look at some of this cursory stuff, and it does add up. Jeff tweeting at us, uh, Zach Wilson is freaky, freaky good. Two freakies. That's a pretty high level of good. <laughs> He's freaking freaky, freaky good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see how you can argue that, man. And you got all these NFL people, that are, they're drooling over the kid. The kid's got enormous talent, and I feel like his destiny was fulfilled you know, because I have a little bit of an in of where he played high school ball. And he told me, sure, yeah, he's got, he's, you know, he's just somewhat cocky. Nothing wrong with that. And that just means you believe in your ability. And they said that this kid is wildly talented. And sure enough, man, he fulfilled it. And that's hard when you have quarterbacks because we've seen so many of them don't fulfill it. And they get all these elite 11. It's like a stigma, elite 11. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know if it's a good thing anymore. Uh, don't talk about it. Just show it. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't have that kind of run. But the people I know who know football more than me were telling me, this kid is really good. Watch out for him. And then he gets to BYU. And the coaching staff that was there, this kid's really good. He needs a little time to develop. And it'll come to pass. And it did. And that's a great thing to see. Any athlete, I don't have a preference, BYU, Utah, what have you. But to see someone put in the work, do what it takes, and then be able to fulfill your level of talent. That's a great thing to me. It's one of the reasons why I'm a sports fan. To see Lopini Katoa go John Jefferson down the left side. <laughs> nice. It, it was awesome. That's why I'm a sports fan. That's why I keep coming back. The final result doesn't matter to me nearly as much as it does to the fans. I understand that. So I'm wired a little bit different. And I think most folks in our, our business, that's the way we're wired. And if you're not wired there yet, eventually you'll get there. 30 years in the business, you just don't get caught up on the final score as much as you do as the great plays within the game. That's entertainment. When you saw my man, 
low, 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 low peeny lay out like that. What, what did you think? Man, I'm watching it with my wife, and she immediately says, whoa, wow, man, that was awesome. Yep. Right? We're that sitting there it. watching the game. Who didn't think that when he, he extended literally completely parallel to the ground and made that play? I just, uh, while you were talking, just, just, for, just for the fun of it, I Googled John Jefferson photo Sun Devils. First four photos that came up were the same angle of the same catch, and I know you can close your eyes and see it right now, PK. And yeah, Lafina Katoa, if you if you make any catch that makes you say, "Oh, that was like John Jefferson," then you just made a really good catch. This <laughs> laid out totally. Wasn't that an awesome play? Throw yourself at the ball. Yep, yep. And they replayed it over and over, trying to make sure he made the catch. And you're you're telling me that has something to do with competition. I don't care about the competition. And when did Central Florida become a crappy team? Last night. <laughs> I mean, they were 12 points away. 13, 12 points would have tied them. They were 13 points away from being undefeated in the regular season. That's how close they came. Their three losses, I think one was by one, one was by three, and one was by eight. And they were right there in all those games. And they just got Mauled. Now, I realize, you know, they didn't have as many of the same guys. I get that. But BYU didn't have – hell, most of their coaches on offense weren't even there. And, and and James Empey, who is a phenomenal center and most likely going to be an NFL player himself, he wasn't there. So you can go back and forth on that stuff, who was there, who wasn't there. Wilcox opted out to prepare himself for the bowl, so he wasn't there. So to me, that that's somewhat of a wash uh, in that regard. And BYU made Central Florida look that silly. I mean, if we're going to go on the scheduling, then how come we don't go on the scheduling? Wait a second. What did Central Florida do with Cincinnati, who's become, you know, the favorite son of disrespect? And what, what, was, the, what was the score? You got that right there? 36-33. I don't even need to look it up. I've right. looked it up enough did. times. So how come we're not saying, whoa, what about that? We're so quick to say, well, look at this easy schedule. Cincinnati, they, you, you, David James Sniggledorf III, find that you do believe that Cincinnati has a rightful spot in the playoff. Well, they beat USF by three points. How come we're not looking that way? We're looking the other way. Well, well North Texas, South Texas, oh, Midwest and, Texas. That's, that's rhetorical. You know why. <laughs> the rivalry. That's why. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but there was a part of me that wondered how many Ute fans, probably not that many, how many Ute fans would just uh, fall back in the rivalry battle, just one line and just say, hey, you had a really good season. Do it again. They That's did have simple. a really good season. Now do it again. Because Kyle has obviously rolled up a bunch of 9- and 10-win seasons and then an 11-win season. And is there a Ute fan out there who doesn't think that they are lined up for a minimum 9 wins next year and battling for a division title? Maybe they'll get it. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll be back in the conference title game. Maybe they won't. But come on. They're going to win 8 or 9 games next year, aren't they? Minimum? Don't Ute fans think that? And so is BYU going to back this up with another good season? Well, they have to because people will be watching more intently, which means on September 11th, again, this rivalry just continues to outdo itself. (laughs) And so now with this season, 
being what it was and for Utah and for the Cougars, next season's rivalry game for a run-of-the-mill regular season non-conference game, uh-uh, no. I mean, it just puts so much emphasis on it. And it would. You know, I wish they would have played this year. I wish they would play every year because it's fun. It's fun for us in the business. And I don't, I don't deny it. Chris Hill pointed that out. The media loves this game. Guilty as charged. It's good for business. So, yep, I do love it. The fact is I don't get any more money if it's not played. <laughs> so it's not no. like it's a, I, I, need, I need the game to survive. No, I simply love the game because it's fun. That's why it doesn't make any difference in my bank account. I'm going to get paid the same whether you play or you don't play. Uh, but it is fun, and it just adds to the hype next season. And both teams will have a new quarterback. The game has been good as a season opener. It's been good as a season finale. It's been good in Provo. It's been good in Salt Lake. And it was good when they played it in a bowl game in Vegas. And half the state drove down there and sold out the stadium. So you can play this thing wherever you want. It's just fun when it's played. I was there but, for but that the game, thing is, Dave. The I thing, was there. Yeah, you were there. I love when you growl and say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, that for the ADs and the coaches, you know, there could be so much blowback and complaining. And they have to put up with that, and we don't. And that's why we love it, and they cringe a little bit. I mean, we have seen it firsthand. We were both there when they put the tent up on the sidewalk outside the new football building when it was referred to as the Death Star because it was so big and so massive and nobody could believe it. It was still shocking. And uh, Spence Eccles got up and, um, and was talking and, and saying a few words. And obviously, you know, he wrote, a, he wrote big checks to get that building and several other athletic facilities built. The, the stadium, the tennis center, I don't know what else his name is on, right? And he brings up how hard the drive was coming back after the loss at Utah State in overtime in Logan. And he brings up how hard that drive was. And Kyle's sitting right there, and I look at Kyle, and you can just see Kyle grinding his teeth. Let's add up all the, all the non-conference losses he's had since they got in the Pac-12. <laughs> There's not that much to complain about, PK. Uh, but BYU, but they hear about one. it. So yeah. if he loses to BYU, he's going to hear about it. So I get why they don't love the game as much as you and I do. Because we don't have to hear about it based on the win and loss. We just have to go out and enjoy the three hours of football and then, you know, however much back and forth, you know, before and after. But we don't Correct. have to wear it the way they do. All right, Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. DJ PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Former Cougar Brian Keel coming up at 8 o'clock. Riley Jensen, the former Aggie at 830. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's the best station, period. Utah's longest-running, highest-rated sports radio show. This is DJ and PK, presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. All right. We've got tons of response just flowing in, PK. I can't even keep up with it. Clint, 
BYU's really good. A top 15 team in college football and one yard away from an undefeated season. If Wilson comes back, this offense will be the best BYU has ever had. Well, he's not coming back. Can you compare the shock of him coming back to anything else? How surprising would that be? It's not 99% he's gone. It's, it's got to be 99.9999999%. Well, they're expecting him to go, I can tell you that much. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the young man, it's time. He's uh, accomplished all that he could accomplish. Hats off to him, man. Wish him nothing but the best going forward. Uh, so as far as him coming back, that would be an extreme big-time shocker for sure. Jeff says, great season for BYU. If they played original schedule, injuries, frustration, it's way better competition, it would have changed the story. If and the would have, we can play that one forever. Why do we know? How can you assume it would have changed the story? Well, I, I think can't. I can assume it would have changed the story. I just don't know that it would change it for the worse, which is, I think, what he's uh, implying. I don't know that it would have changed it for the worse. It would have what been a game different story. on that schedule? Now that it's over, what game on that schedule were they not capable of winning? Name me one. I think they were capable of winning any of them. The argument right. comes when you go down to uh, would they have actually done it? <laughs> you know? Right, obviously. You know, obviously. You, you throw a pick, a ball gets tipped. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, which seems random, and someone steps in front of it and takes it back the other way for a pick six and changes the flow of a close game. Because if I'm going to say, well, they would have lost those games, uh, uh, whatever, how many, two or three or four or five against this other schedule, if I'm going to play the if game, suppose Gunnar Romney caught that ball on that fourth and one on that trick play against Coastal Carolina. Why can't I play it that way, too? You know, it sounds... It's at first when you first hear it, like wow, six power five games that would have been different. Michigan State was two and five. Minnesota was three and four. How different would it have been? And I think they think they would have handled those teams. You know, the question is more when you get to the Pac-12 teams where we don't really have the body of work. If you had played a full schedule, and if Stanford had played a full schedule. You know how healthy would they have been going into a game at the end of the year? Stanford was four and two, and one of the losses was to Oregon, and they didn't have their quarterback because of a false positive test. So, really, Stanford was—you know—you can say they were four and one when they had a fair shot. No, no, no. They played Cal, who hadn't been able to meet as a team. So I can say they now they're three and one. We're checking that off. Yeah, I mean, this is ridiculous. You can't just play your argument one way. You have to include everything. In the Pac-12 this year, everybody in my mind was 0-0. Zero and zero. There, there were crazy variances every freaking game. Something. They played, Utah played Oregon State, and Jefferson, who never had the virus, couldn't play because somebody that he bumped into down the road had it. 
<laughs> and so and he couldn't play that game. And he's and he's putting up massive numbers yeah. for Oregon State. So so st- everybody, the Pac-12, they should officially be zero and zero this year, as far as I'm concerned. Well, the the Missouri game, the Michigan State game, and the Minnesota game—they don't scare you at first glance. And it doesn't that's mean, my whole point. It doesn't mean that they couldn't have risen up in any one week and Obviously. played their best game of the season and upset BYU. But don't speak to me as if it's a definitive BYU would have lost those games. That's all I'm saying and all I'm asking is don't come at me with the uh, you're assured they would have lost those games. I don't. I will refuse to believe it. This was a quality football program. I don't understand why people are reluctant to say that. It's not like... They haven't done it before, and they invested in a bunch of young dudes for three years. Well, they ought to be good at some point, or else your coaching staff really does suck. If you've invested all that time into the same guys over and over again, you ought to have some kind of payoff, right? You would think, and this was the payoff, but in the weirdest, funkiest year of college football in our lifetime. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, Brian Keel, the former Cougar, joins us. Riley Jensen's coming up at 8.30. Stay with us.